0: Well good evening Family Church Haven't and welcome to Sunday Night Local, you know the drill by now. Uh, half an hour gathering around the Word of God and uh, a massive welcome to you whether you're watching this live tonight at 8pm on Sunday evening or whether you're maybe watching this on catch up a little bit later on or just listening to the audio a little bit later on. A massive welcome to you and I hope that you've had a great day whether you uh, maybe had a little flurry of snow or not and whether it laid or not I hope that you've had a good time and uh, enjoyed today. This morning was fantastic, wasn't it, listening to those testimonies and if you haven't yet had a chance um, to watch that then I'd encourage you after this um, to just watch those testimonies from this morning, just real life stories being changed uh, by a real God and just really encouraging to hear how God transformed those lives and continues to play a part in those lives. So massive welcome if you're using uh, the chat function, why not say hi to one another, why not join in uh, with tonight, by being interactive and just sharing any thoughts that stuck out for you personally. But just as we um, allow people to jump in, I know not everybody turns up just on time. I know some maybe are just like one or two or even 10 minutes late. But just as we wait uh, for people just for a couple of moments, let me just highlight a couple of events that we're running this coming week. The first one is on Thursday evening, um, which is our worship night that's taken place at the Empower Centre Haven. And uh, we're doing this in person. On that evening and so you need to pre-register for that event and maybe um, you don't feel quite comfortable yet to come out to one of these events that's absolutely fine um, but if you are somebody who wants to be a part of this then you need to pre-register for Thursday evening and we're just going to have from half seven to around half eight a time of worshipping God and just being together sharing communion praying together with and uh, just having time together in a COVID secure way. And then on the Saturday morning online, there is a ladies breakfast that's taking place on Zoom. And that's an opportunity just for the ladies to get together and to hear a word shed um, from God's word and to, um, I don't know what they're doing. I'm not really involved in that because as you can see, I'm a man, but it's going to be great. So sign up for the ladies breakfast that's taking place on Zoom. I've sold it really well. Kirsty will be very impressed with me, um, but it is going to be really good So make sure that you sign up for that okay that's enough of that let's dive into uh, tonight's thoughts and we want to continue in the series that we've been sharing on building the house and as I've been saying throughout these thoughts that when we talk about building the house we're talking about our house being our lives individually we're talking about our households and we're talking about uh, the church of Jesus Christ both locally and on a global scale and we're looking a lot at the teachings of Nehemiah and Ezra and looking at the writings in the Old Testament and making them relevant to our lives today and as I said we're talking about our own lives individually our households and we're talking about the church of Jesus Christ so very quickly a quick recap on what we've shared week one I spoke about the fact that God is a God of redemption that God can rebuild anything that has been broken down or destroyed he's a god of second chances then week two mark ward did a great teaching on the temple in the old testament and brought it to being relevant to us in the new testament that we are temples of the holy spirit today and how as we build we need to make sure that jesus christ is central to our lives and we're empowered by the holy spirit week three um, i spoke about seeking first the kingdom of god you may remember this but we talked about as we build we need to build according To God's priorities. And then last week, Ellie spoke a great word on unity and how as we build, we need to be unified as one people. So, all those teachings are available for you to catch up on. But tonight, week five of this series, I want to talk about dealing with opposition. And I want to look at this thought tonight very simply that whenever we build in life, whether again that's our own lives individually, whether that's our own walk with God, whether that's um, a career, or a family, or a marriage, whether that's God using us um, to build his church, whenever we look to build, we need to understand that there will be opposition that comes against us. Because we have a very real enemy who does not want you to be living a life of abundance that God has purchased for you. And he wants to disrupt, to distract, to delay, and ultimately to destroy the work of God in your life. Now, as we're going to see tonight, That shouldn't cause us to um, deny that there is an enemy. He is real. But neither should it cause us to surrender, to wave a white flag, to let him walk all over us, or to sit back and and, um, just give up in life. Neither should it cause us to be focused overly on him. So turn your Bibles to Nehemiah chapter 4, if you've got your Bible with you. Nehemiah chapter 4, and I want to look at this because we're going to dip in and out. Of this chapter, and so if you have a Bible to hand or you're reading it on your phone, turn it to Nehemiah chapter 4 and we want to highlight a few things. Because as we've been looking at, um, Nehemiah was the cupbearer to the king of Persia, and he's been called out of that to be involved in overseeing the rebuilding project that's happening in Jerusalem, specifically the rebuilding of the city walls. And we've spent time over these Sunday nights looking at why that's important that the city walls uh, brought strength to a community it meant that their defenses were up and so here he is in this moment rebuilding or overseeing the rebuilding of these city walls and in Nehemiah chapter 3 as we spoke about a couple of weeks ago um, we see these different groups of people this family and this section of people and uh, this community rebuilding the wall side by side that's in Nehemiah chapter 3 and then we get to the narrative of Nehemiah chapter 4. And this is where I want to pick it up on, on verse 1 of chapter 4. It says this, Sambalat was very angry when he learned that we were rebuilding the wall. He flew into a rage and mocked the Jews. Now, just to give this some context, Sambalat was a Samaritan leader. And as you see throughout the whole of scripture, it's often referenced that the Samaritans set themselves up as enemies of the Jews. Now, why is he annoyed in this particular moment when they're rebuilding the city walls? Because as we've said, rebuilding the city walls would bring the Israelites strength. And a strong Jerusalem would mean a weak and a despised Samaria. And so Samballat wants to say something about this. And listen to what he says in verse 2. He begins to intimidate them. In order to try and bring opposition, in order to try and delay and destroy the work of God, he tries to intimidate them. Verse 2, it says what does this poor bunch of feeble Jews think they're doing? Do they think they can build the wall in a single day by just offering a few sacrifices? Obviously he's exaggerating, but he's making the point. Do they think they can really do this? He says, do they actually think they can make something of stones from a rubbish heap and charred ones at that? Now, the reason that he's highlighting the charred stones is that uh, there was a a fire in Jerusalem in in 586 BC. And this fire caused the stones to be heated up, to be cracked, um, many of them to be destroyed. And it's these stones that the Jewish nation are using to rebuild the city walls of Jerusalem. And so here is Sambalat, he's mocking them, he's trying to intimidate them. And then he's chips in, as if it wasn't bad enough that, that one was going, here's his buddy in verse 3, Tobiah. Tobiah the Ammonite, who was standing beside him, remarked, that stone wall would collapse if even a fox walked along top of it. And all of this sets up a narrative of opposition that you can read about in Nehemiah chapter 4 and Nehemiah chapter 6 as well. Let me just look at a few of these things that happen in Nehemiah chapter 6 verse 2. They come and they try and harm Nehemiah himself. Verses 5 to 6, they gossip and make up lies about Nehemiah and the Israelite people. Nehemiah chapter 6 verses 7 to 13 they tried to deceive Nehemiah with false prophets. So much opposition coming against him. So much um, different tactics that they use in order to try and bring this opposition. But then I want us to read something. Nehemiah chapter 4 verse 14. I want us to just turn to that verse because we're going to read this in its entirety and we're going to break this apart and look at the different aspects that Nehemiah brings out of this of how to deal with opposition, because you see, opposition will come in your life. It's not a question of if, it's a question of when, and how that opposition will come. But the the opposition will come because there is an enemy who wants to stop you living the life of abundance that God has for you. There is an enemy who doesn't want you to have a strong household, to have a strong family, to have a strong marriage. There is an enemy who doesn't want you progressing in your career. There is an enemy who doesn't want you seeing yourself as God sees you. There is an enemy who wants to stop us from advancing the kingdom God and He'll use anything He can to come against us. But listen to what Nehemiah says in Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 14. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 14 it says, Then as I looked out over the situation, I called together the nobles and the rest of the people and said to them, Don't be afraid of the enemy, remember the Lord who is great and glorious, and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives and your homes. So let's look for a moment at what Nehemiah says here. Four things that I want to just pull out of this briefly. The first thing is this, he says don't be afraid. You know when the enemy comes to oppose you one of the tools that he'll aim to use is fear in your life. He'll come against you with fear. Now there's healthy fear of course that stops us doing things uh, that wouldn't be good for us. The reason um, that you don't I know some know, sunbathe on the motorways because you're scared that you're going to be hit by a truck. That's good wisdom. That's healthy fear. The reason that you don't jump off the edge of a cliff without a parachute is because there's a healthy fear within you that says, if I do that, I'm going to end up in trouble. And so there is such a thing as a healthy fear. But when there's negative fear, that's a spiritual thing. That's something that the enemy uses, and it's a spiritual thing. Thing. Remember what Paul said to his protege Timothy in 2 Timothy 1 verse 7. He writes, For God will never give you the spirit of fear, but he will give you the Holy Spirit who gives you mighty power, love, and self-control. God doesn't want us moving in the direction of fear. He has provided the Holy Spirit for us so that we can live in peace and not in fear. Psalm 46 verse 1 to 2 says God is our refuge and our strength he is always ready to help us in times of trouble so we will not fear so the first thing that nehemiah points out here is we don't need to be afraid don't walk in the direction of fear live in the peace that god has provided for you on a daily basis point two he continues to say not just that we don't need to fear but who it is we don't need to fear don't be afraid number two of the enemy In other words, Nehemiah says there is an enemy. Now, of course, in his case, it was physical men who were trying to stop the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem. But we know that there is a spiritual enemy that we face on a daily basis. The scriptures speak about it. Jesus himself acknowledged it. The Bible says he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for who he can devour. But here's the thing that we need to know, and he doesn't like you knowing this, but it's truth that he is a defeated enemy. Yes, we have an enemy, but he is a defeated enemy. Listen to what Colossians 2 says, and I want to read this from the Passion Translation. I love the way that it brings out. Colossians chapter 2, verse 15. It says, Then Jesus made a public spectacle of all the powers and principalities of darkness, stripping away from them every weapon and all their spiritual authority and power to accuse us. And by the power of the cross... Jesus led them around as prisoners in a procession of triumph. He was not their prisoner. They were his. Jesus has won the victory. I hope there's an amen coming up in your spirit this evening. He has won the victory. So Nehemiah says to us, don't be afraid of the enemy. I want to speak into your life tonight. Don't be afraid of the enemy of yourself. Number three, this is what Nehemiah says, remember God. In his response, he says, don't be afraid of the enemy, remember God. Listen, when it feels like opposition is coming, when it feels like um, the the enemy is bombarding us, maybe we feel discouraged or fed up or we feel defeated, we feel like we want to quit, Uh, maybe we feel like we can't overcome temptations or pitfalls, whatever it might be, the worst thing that you can do is try and go it alone. Because Father God, through his Holy Spirit, is the one who will empower you, is the one who will strengthen you. He's the one who will encourage you. That's why it's so important that we pray, that we don't try and fight spiritual battles in our own strength, but we surrender to God in prayer. That's why the word of God needs to be fuel for our response That we don't run off our emotions. We don't run off somebody else's wisdom, uh, what our friend at work says, but we run off the word of God. That is our fuel for how to respond to opposition that comes our way. Nehemiah says, remember God. Remember his awesomeness. Remember how he carried you through the last storm and be encouraged that he'll bring you through this current one too. Nehemiah says, don't be afraid. Of the enemy remember God and then he says this the fourth thing and fight don't be afraid of the enemy remember God and fight we are called to fight to not surrender to the enemy of our soul or, or deny that there's a spiritual battle taking place in the first place but, but listen here's something that we really need to understand we are not called to fight people okay it's so important that we know this we are not called to fight people so when that work colleague is making life horrendously difficult for you your battle is not with your work colleague when there's difficulty in your marriage your battle is not with your spouse it's not about trying to win an argument with your spouse or getting one over on your spouse when there's difficulty in your family your 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 battle is not with your child when there's situations going on in in and people gossiping about you your response shouldn't be to fight them on social media and try and get one up over them in terms of gossip and trying to slur people's character and bring them down to listen. Our fight is not with people. Listen to the fight that we're called to fight and we can read about it in Ephesians chapter 6. Many of you know these verses inside out but I think it's important for us to remind ourselves of them very often. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10. Let me just take another sip. Ephesians 6 verse 10 says this, A final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armour so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities in the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in their heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor, so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. And it goes on to talk about the individual pieces of the armour of God. That's a great study to do. I'd encourage you to read it in your own time, Ephesians chapter 6, and maybe just spend some time looking at the individual pieces of God's armour. And hey, maybe we'll even do this on a Sunday night um, local series that we journey through. Maybe we'll do that uh, sometime. But here's the point that I want to make, and here's the point that Paul makes so well. We are in a fight, but it's not against people. It's not against flesh, And blood and if we could really get this we would unite against a common enemy rather than fighting one another we would see a greater degree of unity that ellie spoke about so well last week this is a spiritual battle and we're not to fight it using natural weapons such as anger and gossip and slander and arguments and pride against people it's a spiritual battle against spiritual forces and we need to use spiritual tools So I want you to think of it this way, each morning when you wake up and uh, maybe this analogy doesn't work so well during lockdown because some of you cheeky monkeys are probably staying in your PJs all day and uh, doing zoom meetings where the top half of you you're wearing a shirt and then the bottom half you just got your lounge wear but in normal times, let's talk about times when COVID didn't exist, when you get dressed in the morning here's what I want to challenge you as you put on your socks, remember to also daily put on the armour of God. Why is it that we get dressed naturally, but we don't give a second thought to getting dressed spiritually every single day of our lives? We need to be full and ready and dressed with the armour of God for the day ahead, because every day may bring a different battle. Each day may bring opposition, whether that's temptation, whether that's discouragement, literal opposition in the workplace, difficulties in the family dynamics of your home, whatever it might be. And we've got to recognise there is an enemy. But we don't need to fear him because he is defeated. But we're called to remember God, to remember his victory and to fight from that place of victory. It's so important that we remember that, that the victory has already been won by Jesus. We aren't conquerors. We are more than conquerors. Jesus has already won the victory. Now it's our place and our right as his children to fight from that place victory knowing that victory is ours I hope this is helping you tonight to see how to respond to opposition but I I want us to look at in the second half of this an Old Testament victory that was won by the people of God one in particular his name was David I want us to look at the account in 1 Samuel 17 the classic story of David versus Goliath and even if you weren't raised in church or uh, maybe you know somebody who doesn't know of God personally but they would be able to recite the story of David versus Goliath. It's such a well-known account in the Old Testament. I want us to read it tonight. 1 Samuel chapter 17 because I believe it teaches us again something about how to come against opposition that can come your way, one Samuel seventeen verse one says the Philistines now mustered their army for battle, and they camped between Soko and Judah and Azekah at another place. Saul counted by gathering his Israel- Israelite troops near the valley of Elah. So the Philistines and the Israelites face each other on opposite hills with a valley between them. They used to, to be in the mountaintops or on the hills rather. And there would be a valley between them and they would come. One person from each tribe or each army would come and they would fight. And as we're going to see, whoever won, the whole army would win. So it was a big fight that would take place between these two individuals. He says, Then Goliath, a Philistine champion from Gath, came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. He was their representative. He was over nine feet tall. He wore a bronze helmet and bronze coat of mail, weighed 125 pounds. He also wore bronze leg armour, and he carried a bronze javelin on his shoulder. The shaft of his spear was as heavy and thick as a weaver's beam, tipped with an iron spearhead that weighed 15 pounds. His armour bearer walked out ahead of him, carrying a shield. So I think it's fair to say, as we would say in Pompey, he is pretty hard. This is somebody that you wouldn't mess with in the pub. And so, as a result, we're going to see that all the Israelites stepped back and were scared of the opposition and the intimidation that was coming their way. It says Goliath stood and shouted a taunt across to Israel. Why are you all coming out to fight? He called. I'm a Philistine champion, but you are only the servants of Saul. Here is a warrior, a man come with intimidation. Listen, every day as a child of God, there may be intimidation that you face from the enemy of your soul, but as we're going to see, they remain defeated. He said, choose one man to come down here and fight me. If he kills me, then we will be your slaves. But if I kill him, you will be our slaves. I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man to fight me. When Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. Script down to verse 16 of 1 Samuel 17. It says, for 40 days, every morning and every evening, the Philistine champion strutted in front of the Israelite army. Catch that phrase tonight, every morning and every evening. For some of you, that may feel like what you are facing right now. Every morning and and every evening you are facing the same thing, the same battle. I'm not just talking about uh, a natural COVID lockdown, I'm talking about beyond that. You are facing battles that every morning that you wake up and every night that you put your head on the pillow, you are facing the same battles. And maybe sometimes you've got a temporary victory. Maybe you've dented Goliath's armor, but you haven't yet cut off his head. And verse 16 illustrates to us something. That until we do something, until we allow God to win the victory on our behalf, Goliath will always remain. Goliath will keep coming. And the Bible says for 40 days, every morning and every evening, he came out and in opposition, intimidated the people of God. Now, like I said, there's many ways that we can respond in this moment. As our Goliath. The enemy comes with intimidation. We can just deny there's a battle going on. We can sit back and surrender and let him walk all over our life. We can cower in fear and let him take control. Or else we can do what Nehemiah told us to. We can remember God and fight from a place of victory. As new covenant believers that that we have something better than Nehemiah had. We know that we can fight from a place of victory that Jesus Christ has purchased on our behalf. Listen, the Bible says to us very clearly tonight that you are victorious, that you are more than a conqueror, that you are an overcomer. The Bible declares thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph in His name. It declares over you that God hasn't given you that spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and love and of a sound mind. Well, it, it, I hear what you're saying tonight, but it doesn't feel that way. I don't feel that way right now. Listen, the greatest trick in the book that the enemy can play upon you is to cause you to live out your Christianity on a feelings-based way. Listen, feelings-based feelings, fa- feelings based faith will leave you immature in God and unable to overcome the opposition that comes your way. Yes, feelings are real. And emotions are real. Don't hear what I'm not saying tonight. God is a God who feels. God is a God who created emotions. And emotions can be like lights on a dashboard that tell us that something's not quite right. But listen, we're not to live out of our feelings. We're to live from a place of truth in God's word. Our outlook and our mindset and the way that we respond is to be shaped by the truth of God's word and not by our feelings. 1 Samuel 17 verse 32. Here comes David. A shepherd boy who's just on the front line because he's delivering food to his brothers and he hears about Goliath and this is what he says in verse 32, don't worry about this Philistine, I'll go fight him. Here was somebody who wasn't going to deny the presence of an enemy, neither was he going to cower back in fear, he says I'll go and fight him. And you can read the account, it goes on and Saul says, I I don't think you should do this. And they try and put Saul's armor on him and and all that kind of stuff happens. But skip down to verse 40. This is David going out to face the enemy who had come to oppose him and the Israelite nation. Verse 40 says, he picked up five smooth stones from a stream and put them into his shepherd's bag. Then, armed only with his shepherd's staff and sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. Goliath walked out uh, towards David with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt of this ruddy-faced boy. Am I a dog? He roared at David. For you come at me with a stick. And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals, Goliath yelled. Listen, even as you step up to fight, Goliath will try to talk you out of it. The enemy of your soul will try and bring intimidation and condemnation and judgment into your life. Just as you begin to fight for your marriage, the enemy will come and say, do you really think you can have a good marriage? Look at how your last one ended. Look at the the model that your parents handed down to you. you. You can't have a great marriage. Maybe as you step out in your career, the enemy wants you to, to step back in fear, he comes with intimidation. Who do you think you are? You can't have a great career. Look at your lack of qualifications. Look at how you're not like other people. Maybe the enemy comes and he bombards you with accusation. You'll never be as close to God as other people are. You don't know the Bible like other people do. You're not loved like he loves other people. The enemy will always come with intimidation. You'll never be accepted like others. You'll never be a good parent. All this kind of stuff. But David's having none of it. See, all the time that you let the enemy speak, he'll keep yabba-yabba in your ear and in your soul, trying to dissuade you from God's best for your life. But here comes David in verse 45, and it says, David replied to the Philistine, you come at me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today, the Lord will conquer you. Notice he doesn't say, today, I will conquer you. He says, today the Lord will conquer you. And because the Lord has conquered you, listen to what comes next. I will kill you and cut off your head. And then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and the wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. Listen to this line, which I believe this is relevant for people watching tonight. This is the Lord's battle and he will give you to us. David knew that in his own strength and on his own ability there was no chance. He might as well run, he might as well deny, he might as well surrender but he says this is God's battle and he will give you to us. I want to encourage some of you to stop fighting in your own strength, to stop fighting the wrong people, to stop fighting the wrong things, but to fight this spiritual battle, not in your own natural strength, but to surrender to God and say, God, I can't win this. I can't come against this opposition in my own strength. I need you, Holy Spirit, to help me to overcome this opposition in my life. Verse 48 goes on and we see David come against Goliath and win the victory. Deuteronomy 20, verse 4 final verse for tonight in this study. I hope that this has been helpful for you in your own battles and against the opposition that's coming against your life. Deuteronomy 20 verse 4 says this, for the Lord your God is going with you. He will fight for you against your enemies and he will give you victory. Know that tomorrow morning when you wake up, when you feel that same stuff coming against your life, that intimidation, that bombardment, that accusation, that condemnation, that the enemy would try and bring your way to destroy and delay the work of God in your life, that's where you say, no, no, God is coming with me, and he will fight my enemy for me, and he will give me the victory in Christ. Whenever you build, we're talking about building the house, whenever you build, be it Your own life individually, be it your household, be it as we allow God to use us to build His church. Whenever we build, there will be opposition because there is an enemy who wants to prevent you from living the life of victory that God has for you. But tonight, I hope that through God's word, you've been handed some tools this evening. I hope that this has been helpful to you. Let let me just summarize again. Don't deny that there's a spiritual battle taking place in your life, don't look at things naturally. There may be stuff that's coming against you that, yes, some of it may be natural, but a large part of it is probably more spiritual than you would allow yourself to believe. See it for what it is. But know that you don't need to fear the one who is bringing that opposition. You don't need to go in the direction of fear and worry and anxiety because the one who is bringing that opposition has been defeated. You're already victorious. You have everything that you need in Christ. There's nothing more that you need. You are victorious. This evening, and the enemy is defeated, and as Nehemiah said, "Remember God, and fight." But fight, as Paul reminds us in Ephesians chapter six, not against people, but fight a spiritual battle with spiritual weapons. I hope that that's been helpful this evening. Here's a here's a reminder: tomorrow morning, when you put on your socks, if you bother to get out of your PJs, when you put on your socks, make sure that you take time to put on the full armour of God and fight knowing that you already are victorious. Let me pray for you victorious people tonight. Father, I thank you that you have caused us to triumph in your name. Father, I thank you that every day that we're alive, you lead us into victory. God we want to be wise that there is an enemy who wants to prevent us from living the life of abundance that you have for us who wants to prevent the church from being all that it can be in this nation but father God right now we we take authority over that enemy and we listen to what Nehemiah said thousands of years ago and we make the choice we will not fear we will not run away against this enemy but we will remember you, God, and we will fight. But as Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 6, we will fight a spiritual battle with the spiritual tools that you have given us. Father, where there has been fighting between people, I pray for peace. Father, where households, there has been disagreement. Father, I thank you for forgiveness and, and, and just peace to rule and reign in those households. And Father God, I thank you that we will move forward in the victory that you have purchased for us, for your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Come on church, let's go and live a life of victory this week. We'll be back here next Sunday evening.